0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Live from West End. This week we've got another busy week of content. Um, we'll start with soccer who extended their undefeated streak another two games with a draw against Lipscomb um, and then a win against MTSU on the road. Then we'll talk some football. Um, football team obviously lost to Wake Forest 45-25 to 25 this past weekend um, and we'll look to start 3-1 and one as they head to Northern Illinois um, for an upcoming game this Saturday. So we've got um our first recurring segment of the year, we've got soccer with Sam. Soccer with this, I like that. It has a good ring to
2: it. <laughs> got good alliteration. Yeah.
1: Um, so Sam, talk us through, obviously, um, still undefeated for for the ladies. Um, first draw of the year against Lipscomb, but then also a nice kind of comeback win um,
3: 4-0 against MTSEO. Yeah. It's a great start to the year. Um, starting the SEC play, you want to be – undefeated if you can and a a draw is nothing to worry about uh in the long term um i would say you're not going to look back on this game and be like oh this is just the worst result because at the end of the day draws happen in soccer um but it's you can't read into it way too much i mean sec is obviously going to heighten the competition things are going to start to get more intense Um, but the 4-0 win is super super helpful uh confidence wise going into this SEC play, um, LSU first.
2: Yeah, I think, and going back to that draw, like, I watched the whole game. This really should not have been 1-1. There were a few in exceptional and, honestly, very lucky uh, plays that the Lipscomb defense had. There was a really good look right before the end of the first half where uh, Alex Kerr had a had a perfect cross from Dures- Rachel Dureski, and she had a great shot on goal, and one of the uh, Lipscomb defenders just kind of dove in front of the ball and went, like, right off her chest. Um, and then another one, Rachel Doresky had a good cross to Brooke Van Dyke later in the second half that uh, she just kind of sliced wide. Uh, so I agree with you. It's not all concerning, especially considering the fact that I would say nine
3: times out of ten, this game is
2: a Vanderbilt win. Yeah,
3: um, but LSU definitely presents a challenge. Um, they're 5-1-2 and two right now, but their only loss is to number 6 uh, Rutgers, 3-2. So they're a very strong opponent. Um, don't be fooled by the loss. They've had wins, and they've been putting up big big numbers in the points four category, um, which will contrast super well with Vanderbilt, only letting up the one goal. Right. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, I assume that Kate Devine will be in net. Um, most of the regulars are there. We were just talking about it's a little concerning that Amber Wynn didn't play. Um, Anish was talking about last year how integral she is to that midfield um, in terms – Defensively and offensively, um, but I think especially defensively. So we'll have to see if she plays. I'm not positive on her status, but if she doesn't, that's pretty significant. Um, But they do have a lot of experience, and Darren Ambrose has talked a lot about their depth. And so I think they can feel pretty confident, uh, even with injuries which are bound to happen, that they'll have people to not necessarily replace but um, fill in for her.
2: Yeah, I mean, even looking back like against Middle Tennessee State, Hannah McLaughlin, who I believe is a freshman, uh, subbed in for Amber Wynn and even scored a goal. Like that depth is, is yeah. integral. Uh, th- this team is going to find success no matter what. And they have that defense to build off of.
1: We've talked about both of those things kind of giving this team a little bit more sustainability um, than maybe in years past when it was more offensive oriented. It was more around an individual player score, scorer um, still, you know, throughout. This first non-conference slate, Vanderbilt gave up just one goal um, and is one of just five, I believe, SEC teams that that were able to make it through. Um, The non-conference portion undefeated. Um, How do do you two feel about Vanderbilt, not only against LSU in the SEC schedule, but also kind of the the rest of um, the conference slate as we kind of
3: get into league play here? Um, I'm super excited to see how they come out initially, I think they're going to gain momentum at the end of the year. I think it would be really big to come out of this first week uh, with three wins. They play the 18th, the 22nd, and the 25th. LSU uh, is super, super strong. Kentucky is 7-1 and one right now and also very good, but their one loss um, on the road, they've been very strong at home. Um, but I think if you can start off well, it bodes super well for the end of the season when we've talked about all that depth. And Darren Arbows has been using it, especially in games like MTSU when it's 4 nothing. And so I think when you see going into the NCAA tournament, a team like Vanderbilt is going to make a strong push. They're not getting a lot of love in the in the AP Top 25, but I think you're going to see that change, especially as the season goes on.
2: Yeah, I think that they're sort of a team that's built to not get that much love because of the depth. They don't have all these like mm-hmm. superstars that you're going to you know, be all flashy and be all over the internet. Um, but that isn't to say that this team isn't strong at the top, because it certainly is. I mean, we talked about Reagan Kelly the past couple of weeks, and she really impressed uh, the past couple of games. She scored against Lipscomb. That was the only goal. And then she scored twice against uh, MTSU and then had also had an assist in that game. Uh, she was somewhere somewhere around top 10 in like, points scored uh, for the entire SEC, and she's probably even higher up after the couple performances.
3: Yeah, I mean, they've got people who can make plays, but... It's not just one person, yeah, I mean, the leadership as well means that this team is built to make a run deep, and I honestly think that this is probably their best chance to to really make a splash in the overall NCAA despite what like the early rankings have talked about. I think they're being really overlooked, um, and I think if they can kind of carry their momentum in, I get it. Lulls happen. I expect some point in the middle of the season that you know. They'll probably drop a couple games. But I think the most important part is starting off strong here and then finishing even stronger, which they did like two years ago, I think, when they reached their highest ranking and and made it to the NCAA tournament, Um, kind of forgetting. But that was my freshman year, so two years ago that happened and and just the importance of that. And I think this team is built that way. Yep, so um, soccer will
1: start out um, home against LSU on Sunday. They've got Kentucky at home as well next week. Um, then they're going to hit the road with Missouri and Auburn coming up um, to kind of round out that beginning of the SEC play. Um, I think, like you guys have said, this is really going to be a team that's that's built for October, um, and so there's still a lot to be learned about this squad as we continue on. And, and I think Ambrose um, is someone that we consider to be kind of very intellectual and understanding that that's going to be the case. Sam, anything else?
3: Yeah, well, I'd say, and I'll, I'll put this to Aiden right after What I want to see from this first game is organization and finishing because Vanderbilt has got a lot of opportunities we read about after every game. Vanderbilt outshot, MTSU, Lipscomb, all these people like 15-5, 10-5, and that's great but it doesn't really mean a lot if you're not finishing opportunities and I'm don't expect them to be like, you know, a hundred percent success rate, but I think you're going to start to see those chances limited and you can't start warming up and be finishing the 11th chance because you're just not going to get to that point. You need to finish the second chance and the fourth shot you have and da 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 da. So I want to see that an early goal would be great. And I want to see the 60th minute onward, good defensive organization, because that's when things start to break down. Um, but I think those are very, very doable for this team, which, as I've talked about, has a lot of experience, especially on the defensive side, and good subs to kind of work in at the end of the first half and late in the game, too.
2: Yeah, I I, I think that's a really good point. They've won the possession battle in every single game they've played so far. Right. They get they win the shots battle, I think, in every game they've played so far. I mean, one game to look at. They won the game 4 nothing, but Providence, they had 11 corner kicks, and they went 0 for 11 on them. Obviously, like you said, Sam, they're not going to be perfect on those, but they need to start converting because it's a different level of competition in the SEC. Yeah,
3: that was a that was a point that Darren Ambrose like, really touched on after the game. I put it a little bit in my piece, but honestly he talked for a while about how disappointed he was that they weren't converting on more of those corner kicks because really they have the size and the ability to do more. So uh, we'll see what happens against uh, maybe a more physical and more athletic SEC team like LSU. Um, but they certainly have a chance to make an impact on those plays, especially if it's, like, against the run of play, which hopefully it wouldn't be. But, um, but yeah, any I mean, you've been making some good predictions. I've been hearing you on the football. Eden, any, any final predictions? I'll maybe take a stab at the score after.
2: I think I think that they may start out a little slow uh, just by virtue of, of the jump in competition. But, like you said, the the depth will kind of carry them. Uh, I'm going to say that they'll take this at home. I think that, that they'll uh, – They'll get a boost from the home crowd. I'll take it two one for Vanderbilt, but I'm going to say two two second half goals.
3: Yeah, I, LSU is three one and one away. Um, that's I mean as opposed to I guess two zero and one at home. So they're just a little worse away. But I like a home crowd first SEC energy. Um, I like a, a shutout two zero Vanderbilt. Okay, I like it. All right, guys, that
1: was soccer with Sam. Thanks, Sam, for coming on. Um, stay tuned this week as we'll have some more. Soccer content up on the website. Um, good luck to the ladies on Sunday against LSU. So talking some football, um, Vanderbilt dropped a contest to Wake Forest 45-25, to 25, as I mentioned at the top. Um, I think this game was not how I expected it to go. I don't think it was how you expected it to go either, Aiden. Um, definitely losing by 20 points was not... Out of the realm of possibility, but the way in which it happened, the rain that kind of impacted the entire game, um, it was a lot to take away from. And obviously the big story coming out of it, A.J. Swan comes in in the second half and performs pretty well. Fantastic, um, yeah. And throws a couple of touchdown passes. Mike Wright with his worst game in a long time, probably since, maybe since one worst, of his – Maybe his worst. worst ever. game yeah. in the Vanderbilt uniform. Um, so, so really – a lot of questions coming out of it, more so than answers. Um, I thought the defense actually held up better than expected, which is what kind of made this game um, not necessarily what I was expecting. Um, but, but obviously lots to take away from from the first loss of the season. We've got Brandon Karp, our lead sports analyst, in the studio. Um, he wrote a fantastic film room piece last week on Wake's slow mesh offense um, and so he's he's kind of our our resident expert on the Demon Deacons. Um, I, I'm gonna actually start with the offense, and then we'll get to the defense because, like like we mentioned, I think the the, the big storyline here is Mike Wright, eight for 15, 35 yards, and then obviously the pick six and a pretty bad fumble. AJ Swan, um, I believe he was eight of 11 for. Aiden, you might have to help me on the exact yeah, yards uh, here.
2: Eight for eleven for 146 yards, 146
1: and two yards and two touchdowns. Um, Brandon, what do we think? I, I, I mean, offense was clearly different with him in in the game.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Bryce. Happy to be here. Um, yeah. No, I think you could definitely see uh, when AJ came in, um, definitely just kind of a different look to the offense. Guys looked reinvigorated out there, mm-hmm. um, and you know when Mike Wright was out there, just not really the same kind of composure. Or confidence, really, even to to run the offense. So, when uh, when Swan was under center, you just saw you know the ball moving down the field a lot more consistently.
2: It was it was certainly concerning, and it was concerning that they went away from what what had been working for them first. Totally, for the first few games. I know we talked about that at length last week. Um, I don't know. I, I I we got a question in our in our mailbag, so go check that out on uh on on our website. But how much of this do you think was AJ Swan? you know, just being flat out better than Mike Wright and just performing well, and how much do you think it was a product of yeah. Wake Forest playing kind of lax defense and, and letting them let them throw the ball around a bit?
1: Yeah, I think that's the question, right? Going into going into week three, I mean, evidently, Swan had a little bit um, greater of a, like, uh, what am I trying to say here? He had more options in the past game, I guess, without, you know, saying... Um, that he's a better thrower than Mike Wright is right now. I thought that there was just different routes um, and kind of combinations that they allowed him um, to run that we haven't seen this season, which was very interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a completely different player. Right.
1: And then, yeah, I mean, the question becomes how much of that um, new offensive scheme is, you know, Swan really executing it well versus the Wake defense. I think, and I answered this, it's probably a little bit of both, but I think... And that's kind of why I wanted to to touch around it originally and not like just straight up say it. But I think, you know, reading between the lines, the staff has more confidence in A.J. Swan's arm than they do Mike Wright. Um, and and I, I think you saw that in the second half.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree with that. I think you really can't understate uh, what it means for a true freshman quarterback to come into a game against a Power 5 defense and go 8 for 11. like. Certainly, there were kind of big gaps in Wake's coverages, and, like, they definitely took their foot off the gas a little bit, but Swan looked really good out there, and I just don't think that's very common that you see that from a a true freshman like that in his first game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he just, like, beyond the stat line and beyond, like, whether or not Wake's defense was was all there, he looked confident, and he looked composed, he looked like he knew that he belonged, and even if he's not going to start the season, even if Mike Wright comes out and he has a great game uh, uh, on Saturday, like it makes you feel good about the future for this team.
1: And I think interesting kind of what Brandon touched on at the beginning was, was the lack thereof for Wright um, kind of at the beginning of that game in terms of composure, yeah. looking like he was confident what they what was being run. Even when, and we'll get to this in a second, when the defense kind of had held up there and through the first half or so of the first quarter, um, I didn't really get the attacking sense that, that the Vanderbilt offense has had for really those first— six to seven quarters um, of the 2022 season. And I think another part of this that's that's layered in and what we talked about a ton last week with Justin is kind of how this run game has evolved. And I think what manifested itself um, against Wake was, was really more or less worst-case scenario for our triple option zone so, read yeah. hybrid attack that I like to call it. Um, Rocco Griffin, uh, you know, Announced out prior to the game. Um, no Patrick Smith. So really you're down to, to Ray Davis and a true freshman in Chase Gillespie. Don't forget and, Cooper Lutz. And Cooper Lutz. My bad. Um, scholarship <laughs> players, I should have said. A- and really uh, that, that personnel is just not conducive to the offense that we thought could beat Wake Forest. Yeah
0: absolutely I think at what point do you ask yourself like how much more can you ask of Ray Davis I mean this guy's taken 86 percent of all carries in the last two games he's got like no help out there offensive line isn't really giving him much room to work with and I mean you saw last game he had he ripped off like a nice 28 yard run that was his biggest run of the game I believe but other than that like he didn't really have a ton of room to operate with and I think that when that run game's not going you're not going to see a whole lot from the passing game and obviously we saw that last weekend
2: yeah i think that they all kind of just work together like beyond the three running backs hopefully all three will play together at some point and they'll have that three-headed attack mm-hmm. because i think that they they complement each other nicely and rocco is really great at running up the middle and ray davis is really nice on the outside whereas smith is, is a good pass catcher i think that all three kind of bring a little bit of a different type of game and it opens it up for each other. And then when they open it up for each other, they also open it up for Wright and the rest of the offense to do exactly what they want to do. And just
1: none of that was clicking. And I'll add to Jaden McGowan, one carry. Um, Really interesting to see Joey Lynch and this offense kind of go away from um, what had been working, whether it be because of the personnel that they had or um, the points they felt like they had to put up against Wake. But, you know, shifting gears in that sense, I actually thought this defense performed... Pretty well relative to my expectations. So Brandon wrote, as I mentioned, um, our slow mesh film room last week. Brandon, what what did you see from Wake's offense and how Vandy
0: was kind of able to, to counter it? Yeah, so I think it really is perfectly exemplified on Wake's first offensive touchdown of the game. It was like they just got in the ball, first play of the possession, and immediately like 68-yard touchdown. And I think what you saw there was – Vanderbilt just really struggled all game to get to the passer and but yeah. Hartman's there in a clean pocket. The slow mesh is basically unstoppable because it forces the defense and like really the second level of the defense, the linebackers and the defensive backs to make a snap decision is it run or pass. And when you see that handoff and it's like going for, you know, almost 2 seconds, which is like, you know, a lifetime in yeah. football terms. Like they're kind of going towards the run and that one moment of hesitation is really all that the Wake Forest receivers need to get open. So, yeah, I mean, you saw it right there on that play. It was 68 yards to the house. And all game, they struggle with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, the whole point of the slow mesh is, like like you said, like stay for as long as possible. Wait for as long as possible to make the decision to hand it off or throw it downfield. And if Vanderbilt's not getting any pressure, they're going to have as much time as they want, and it just becomes impossible to defend it. But I will say, I really liked what we saw, like you said, Bryce, at the beginning of the game from the defense. I thought the first couple drives, they held up well. That goal line stop was really exciting. Uh, It was. I thought Kane Patterson. First bank was rocking. Kane Patterson. Yeah, they were. I was there. They they were Uh, (laughs) rocking. Kane Patterson looked pretty good. He had a really good stop on, I think it was third down, came around the edge, made a nice tackle on the running back. Um, But the offense just didn't do him any favors, and it becomes really hard when you're tired and it's rainy and you're working with a short field and you're going up against this exceptional offense that's so much unlike anything you really see there's not much you can do after a certain point and, and eventually you just collapse.
1: It, it wasn't very complimentary football at all and I think Brandon gave an example of kind of like the perfect um, outcome of the slow match. They really, when it works, are able to to take the top off the defense and, and also simultaneously open up run lanes for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I do think that throughout the game, at least um, when that defense had less than a 30-yard field to defend against... Um, I, th- I thought Vanderbilt defended the intermediary kind of routes pretty well. And and even, I think, back to other times that, that Wake Forest was really able to to beat the Vanderbilt secondary over the top. It's like A.T. Perry going up and making a play on a somewhat controversial pass interference call that was, on, that was on, egregious. on Jeremy Lucian. Um, I thought that the defense held its own, and that's an interesting takeaway for me in terms of moving forward Um, and and understanding how how this unit can be perhaps a little feistier than it was last year against teams that aren't going to be as good offensively because that's something we talked about in the mailbag too is Vanderbilt's going to play teams that are worse than Wake Forest this year, um, but they're certainly going to play offenses
0: that are worse than Wake
1: Forest this year, and that might happen a handful of times.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and if there's one more thing I could touch on, actually also brought this up in the film room. Um, in the first game against Hawaii, we saw some really creative blitz packages, mm-hmm. um, blitzing corners, blitzing safeties. And I was just a little surprised to see Vanderbilt move away from that against Wake Forest because, totally. you know, like I said, they're down miles capers. they've Pass rush hasn't been what it really needs to be. And I think that that would have been a nice way to kind of mix things up and get to the quarterback a little more. Um, so hopefully we see a little bit more of that as the season goes on.
1: Yeah. So moving into... Uh This week Vanderbilt will travel on the road to uh, DeKalb, Illinois to face the reigning MAC champions, Northern Illinois. Um, Really interesting uh, game for Vanderbilt to play. Not a ton to gain, a lot to lose, but um, obviously coming off a loss there's going to be question marks that are answered. Aiden, you've done um, a little bit of research. Talk about what this Husky team brings to the table.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll start with their offense. Very, very balanced attack, uh, both rushing and passing. I would say, I mean, the, the ground game, Rocky Lombardi is sort of, he's their quarterback, sort yeah. of like the main Michigan State star, transfer. right, because of the Michigan State uh, uh, connection. And he's had a solid start, 450 yards, four touchdowns through the first two games. Mm-hmm. Had a few really nice passes here and there. Also has looked a little uncomfortable, and he definitely struggled at Michigan State against better competition. So we'll see what he looks like against Vanderbilt. I think a really interesting story to look at is the uh, is the running game. Their lead back, Jay Ducker, last year ran for about 1,200 yards, transferred to Memphis this season, and so that kind of left them a man down. And they've really adopted, similar to how Vanderbilt, I think, will when they're fully healthy, mm-hmm. this three-headed, balanced rushing attack. Ontario Brown and Harrison Whaley are sort of the two lead guys. They've both had, you know— 143 for Brown and then 100 for Whaley like they both look really solid this season broken good runs good combination of speed and power Uh, I don't know it's a solid offense it's a solid offense
1: yeah I think that that's kind of what we've garnered um, just from from what you just said Aiden and also from our behind enemy bylines that came out this afternoon in talking with um, writers at Northern I think this team is one that Vanderbilt um, Defensively should be able to handle um, They struggled At the beginning um, Going down 17 nothing Against Tulsa um, Didn't exactly uh, Blow the doors off against Eastern Illinois An FCS opponent
2: They started and then they kind of, they yes. kind of Left it open
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I think that Vanderbilt's speed um, and, and maybe some of those blitz packages Like you mentioned Brandon should be on display here Defensively um, but flipping to the other side of the ball, getting back to that identity that Vanderbilt's been trying to run and and really um having a bounce back game for Mike Wright it's gonna be huge in this one
2: yeah i i, I agree. I think that this defense that n i u ha i think we're we're poised for another shootout. I know we've kind of <laughs> said that every week, um, but I just think that's kind of the nature of college football at this point in time. The defense not so good they average they allowed thirty four points a game last season. Seven starters back, so you hope that they're a little mature, I guess. Um, but they've still they still had 33 points per game the past two games. Uh, Vanderbilt should be able to get back to this identity that they had of running it. I, I spent a little bit of time watching their, their highlights against Tulsa and Eastern Illinois. And especially Tulsa really took advantage of the RPO, and they really hurt them with the RPO. And I think that that's something that Vanderbilt did really well against Hawaii, and I'm excited to see if they can implement it and get back to it after a week at Wake Forest where that was kind of lost.
0: Yeah, I think it really is kind of the perfect setting for Mike Wright to have his bounce-back game And yeah. th- Like you said, kind of the perfect matchup for the RPO, kind of play to Mike Wright's strengths. Um, but on the other side of the ball, like both of these teams are averaging about 435 yards allowed. So like you said, shootout. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily expect that Vanderbilt is going to lock these guys up like right out of the gates, I think. Definitely could be closer um, than expected.
1: Yeah, I think that's the right take. And just overall, um, I think there's a couple of things to watch out for. First off, like we mentioned, obviously, what's going to happen with Wright and Swan? Um, you know, how does Wright bounce back from the benching? What happens if he continues to struggle? Yeah. Um, you know, w- will we see maybe an AJ Swan package or something like that? You know, what happens um, if Vanderbilt gets up again? I think. That's going to be interesting to see. Um, probably going to be, you know, more of a shootout in this one again, like we said. Um, and then I think just just personnel-wise, there's a lot interesting going on. So Quincy Skinner, um, who fought through and played last week, is now listed as doubtful for this one. Vanderbilt's um, starting receiver, uh, opposite side, Will Shepard. Rocco Griffin, probable. That's going to be a big one for Vanderbilt in terms of kind of establishing this run, like we mentioned. Yeah, Um, they could use him. Julian Hernandez up front. Clark Lee said he expects to play in some capacity, which, again, pretty helpful for that running offense. Um, But, yeah, this is the last non-conference game of the year before you get into eight straight SEC games, and the start is at Alabama. So I think this one is going to be one of, you know— the games over the next couple of weeks because you're going to go Bama and then buy and then host Ole Miss, um, that you're going to be able to, to take some things away from rather than, um, you know, I'm not expecting things to go super well against Alabama. And obviously being on the flip side of, of that dynamic um, only allows you to, to learn so much about this team.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that this game is going to be really interesting. I think, like you said, we're going to learn a lot I'm really excited to see, I know Clark Lee said he doesn't really want to do that kind of dual quarterback thing that they did last year with Seals and Wright. So I don't know how many split packages we'll see, but in an ideal world, they kind of blow the brakes off of NIU and Swan can come in and we can see a little more of him because he was so impressive. Um, And like you said, they've kind of got everything to lose and not much to gain. I will say that last season they went two and two in their non-conference schedule. And you kind of would like to see some improvement, especially after starting 2-0. and So I think anything yep. but a win here is, is an overall disappointment for the first
0: four games of the season. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty pretty blunt. I uh, can't really argue with that. I think absolutely it's a game they're expected to win, and I think that a loss would be very disappointing here. Um, but crazier things have happened, so we'll see. My biggest con- question would be if – you know, Mike Wright goes out there and has a terrible first quarter. You know, what at what point yeah. would you see AJ Swan come in, even if they're winning, or they, you know, what, what is kind of the metric that you're waiting for?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Clark Lee is going to say the right things, um, and he's not going to want to play a dual quarterback system on Tuesday at the press conference. What happens on this Saturday weekend when it goes wrong? Right, yeah. um, if things are to go awry, um, I think. That's kind of the single biggest question. And like you mentioned, a little more big picture, Aiden, getting to that third win, eclipsing the win total combined from the last two years, having a non-conference where you, you did what you were supposed to do before right. you go into SEC would be big for this program in terms of you know, continuing to signal that there's positive momentum in this rebuild. Um, so getting into our final segment, Um I actually think we did pretty well last week, Aiden. We wow. were all like right around the mark. Um, I
2: I have to say I'm quite proud of myself. I was six cumulative points off the total score. I was five off from Vanderbilt and then only one from Wake.
1: I guess I'm not quite as good. I had 52-31. It was 45-25. Anish had 42-24, so yeah, he, was he was right there fuss, too. Yeah. So optimistic, Justin um, clearly has been away from campus for too long. Yeah. If he if he thought Vanderbilt uh, was gonna no, I'm just kidding. Um wasn't that so, optimistic last year. No, yeah. Um, so, Aiden, per usual, you can go first. W- what's our prediction here?
2: Go in, another shootout. I like my shootouts. I mean, it's entertaining, but beyond that, both teams' offenses kind of are better than their defenses. So I'm going to take 38-31 in favor of Vanderbilt. They win a close one in DeKalb.
0: You got to say with the Chicago accent, Kalb. DeKalb. <laughs> All right, well, I have uh, Vandy 35-21. to Um, I would agree with you. I think we're going to see Mike Wright this game, no A.J. Swan. I think they'll kind of be in control from the start. I think that defense we saw last week, again, not best outcome, but they came together better than expected. So I think we uh, do a pretty good job, and yeah. Yeah, I think despite all the questions that we've
1: had and kind of concerns that came out of this Wake Forest game, I still think this is a game that, that Vanderbilt's going to be able to to handle comfortably. Um, in 2019, in, in what was a pretty gruesome Vanderbilt team to watch, um, Vanderbilt was able to to beat Northern Illinois at home, um, and I, I think that this team is better than that team was. I, I like Wright to get back on track in this one, um, the running offense and, and kind of the coordinators to, to click a little bit more against a defense that, that shouldn't give them much trouble. I'm going to go 41-24 Vanderbilt. Um, but I could certainly see the Huskies making this interesting, so it'll be it'll be a good one to watch. We'll learn a lot about Vanderbilt either way, um, and before we head into Tuscaloosa next week and the rest of the SEC slate, we Brandon, want Bama. we do not want Bama. <laughs> Aiden, not let's yet. be clear about that. Brandon, thank you for coming on. Um, great work on the film room again, and and being our Wake Forest expert over the past two weeks. Appreciate it. Happy to be here.